Hey you guys, Sam Mellinger here with another episode of Mellinger Minutes for your ears. Thank you so much for giving us a listen here. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been fun putting together. Look, even before COVID-19 was a thing, we lived in a world where a completely made up event like the NFL schedule release was the biggest thing in sports for a day, a week, you know, I don't know, maybe even a month. And look, it's easy to throw shade at the NFL for a lot of things. And Lord knows I've done it. But the people who run that league are better than anyone at hype and exposure. And a lot of us get caught up in it, right? You know, the games happen many months after the schedule is released. And with the league's level of parity, the biggest fool's errand of the spring is predicting who will beat who based on last year's results, last month's draft, and this season, this offseason signings. But we do it. You know, I've got the Chiefs at 14-2, and two, by the way, with losses to the Patriots and Bills. But... As soon as I say that, I want to include the disclaimer that I'm even less confident in that prediction than usual. You know, it's, it's hard to have any reaction to the NFL's grand event that doesn't include, you know, something like, okay, fine, you put this on paper, but what will the schedule actually be? You know, the NFL has had a terrific offseason, by the way, and, and I mean that as a league, not breaking it down into teams. You know, the draft was perfect. The mechanics to pull it off and then the execution of it all. I think that was Roger Goodell's best moment as commissioner. You know, one of the best moments any commissioner has had in recent memory. But, you know, how much would you bet straight up that the Chiefs will actually open the NFL season against the Texans on Thursday, September 10th, right? And how much would you bet straight up that the entire schedule will be played as planned? You know, I want to be clear that this is not me saying that there's no chance. I have no idea. And that's the point. Neither do you, <laughs> neither does anyone else, including Roger Goodell or the owners or even our best health experts. Like, you know, to that end, it's notable that A, uh, the league has planned contingencies and B, the league sent a memo to teams to not talk much about those contingencies because basically that's bad for business. You know, the, the great Jenny Brentis came up with a few of the contingencies. You know, most notably, each team shares the same bye week as its week two opponent. You know, that means that if the season is delayed and the new opening week was somebody's bye, they could simply play their week two opponent and have a full schedule. You know, more subtly, there are presumably, you know, high profile games every week. You know, Jenny points out that, you know, the Chiefs play the Ravens week three and that Tom Brady plays Aaron Rodgers in week six and then plays Drew Brees in week nine. So, no, you know, no matter where there's games like this every week. So no matter when the season actually starts, you know, they can sort of, you know, start it right then and, and, and push the games that have been missed toward the back end of the schedule. So, you know, the whole structure makes it clear that if the NFL has to delay, the league much prefers to maintain a whole 16 game schedule and just push the playoffs and Super Bowl back. That obviously makes a lot of sense in terms of revenue for the league. And, you know, without any real reason, the Super Bowl has to be played in February. There's no weather reason or anything like that. I'm assuming it's what the vast majority of fans would, fans would prefer too. So, However it goes, it does feel like there's some positive momentum. You know, we'll get into this more later, but MLS is practicing. Baseball is making tangible progress and creating a plan. NASCAR and the PGA plan to start back up soon. Uh, we can't completely trust that that'll all go to plan. Um, but at least for now, like, that's not what I want to think about, right? Like, what I want to think about is that we can't know for sure that it won't go to plan either. Um, there's finally just even a sliver of optimism it is nice to see. So, okay, it's that time for questions. As always, if you want to participate, please call 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, 
where you're calling from and almost literally any question. One more time, 816-234-4365. Thanks for everyone who's called in. Let's get to it. Hi, Sam. This is John from Prairie Village. I've been uh, buying ballpark dogs and grilling them outside and watching replays, and this is getting real old. How much longer does I, do I have to uh, continue doing this? Are we going to uh, uh, do away with the 2020 season, uh, or are they, they going to try to get in part of the season, or is it just going to be a total scratch? Thank you. First of all, I hope you're being literal here because that's an amazing dedication to be grilling ballpark dogs and watching replays. But either way, I feel your desperation for baseball. Um, there have been some reports this week. This question came in before these reports, but there have been some reports this week about the start of the season getting closer and closer. Uh, Jeff Passan, my friend and former teammate and now ESPN reporter, was the first on the scene. He had a story that pointed out both the outline of a plan and the obstacles in the way. You know, I'd, I'm encouraging you to read the story, but the short version is that the league is finalizing a proposal to the union about when to start playing again and what that would look like. That's still a long way from actually playing, but a proposal to the union about when to start playing again and what that might look like. So, look, maybe they could have games by early July, uh, but there are people in and out of baseball who see that as a little bit optimistic. I mean, I, I keep coming back to this truth. If anybody tells you that they know when this will happen, when baseball will play again, when MLS will play again, whatever. What they are actually telling you is that they are lying because nobody knows. Baseball is not in control of this. The virus is in control. Baseball's return date depends on a million factors, you know, largely the, the improvement in availability, speed, reliability, and testing. There need to be negotiations between the union and commissioner about acceptable risk, additional stress being put on players with potential quarantines and all kinds of other things. You know, the, the only thing I know for sure is that baseball is doing everything possible to get back to playing, you know, but because both the timing and the league's financial structures. There is no American sports entity stands to lose more than Major League Baseball and Major League Soccer. You know, humans respond to incentives and those leagues have literally billions of reasons to do everything they can to play, even if the seasons are truncated, even if the mechanics are messy. You know, with those things being true, it's hard to imagine the leagues not returning in some form at some point, even if it means pushing back and even shortening the 2021 seasons. You know, I go back to 1994 strike. That didn't just stop that season in August. It also shortened the 1995 season to 144 games. So look, the, the current reality sucks. Uh, but for those of us who love sports, it's nice to see even a sliver of progress or even, you know, the door opening for progress, right? Um, MLS is practicing too, you know, even with significant restrictions. But, you know, the, look, big picture, the most encouraging thing you can say is that the smartest people in the world are working against the virus and the people in sports who are the most incentivized to have sports are working to find ways to have sports. So, look, we can help. We can hope anyway. Uh, but, okay, so here's a question about what baseball might look like on the other side of this. Hi, Sam. Greg in Maryland. If baseball doesn't have a season this year or has a very small one, will they have a draft next year? What do you think that looks like? 
Yeah. So if, if it's a small season, I think it's pretty straightforward. The draft happens the way it always has, you know, reverse order the previous season success. But if there's no season and, you know, <laughs> let's pause here to say, damn it, then they could keep the same order as last year, although, you know, or this year, I guess, as the previous year, um, though that would be seen, I'm sure, by better teams as an unfair disadvantage. Um, they could use cumulative records over the last three years, last five years, something like that. But, you know, what I think is really interesting here, and, and this is why we're including this question, is because the, the appetite is for experimentation. You know, so I could see the commissioner doing like a true lottery with, you know, 30 ping pong balls in the machine, airing it on ESPN or MLB Network or whatever and creating an event. And that's the point here is, is, you know, experimentation. You know, baseball can do a lot of things. And I've heard a lot of baseball people. And look, some of these people are very traditional, old school, you know, at least by today's standards. With a, and these people have a more open mind about change if there's a 2020 season. I mean, these are people that don't want anything to change and, and they are willing to see a lot change to have a 2020 season. Everything, you know, robot umpires, right? Uh, pitch clocks enforced, batters prohibited from leaving the box between pitches. You know, I've even heard this idea about a one-time sort of like golden ticket or whatever for a manager to choose a batter for a specific part of the game. So like, you know, in the Royals case, think of, you know, bases loaded, two outs and, you know, no offense, but Bubba Starling is due up. If it's the right situation, now Mike Matheny can put Whit Merrifield in there instead. Um, you know, it's just some of the ideas you hear people talking about. And, you know, the, the general feeling here is that baseball needs to continue to be open to new ideas. And if a season is going to be shortened and, and realigned anyway, so that the, the Royals are in the same division as National League teams now, you know, then why not throw some stuff against the wall and see what sticks? Because, you know, th- this is also very much on people's minds in baseball. You know, there, there will never be a greater public acceptance for new ideas than it would be with a 2020 shortened season because of, you know, COVID-19. So anyway, some of that stuff I think would be great. Some of it probably not, but it would be interesting. And, you know, just one more reason to look forward to sports coming back. Right. Okay. You know, you know, I couldn't get out of here without a chief's question. So here we go. G'day Sam, my name is Branson, I'm calling from Melbourne, Australia with a question for your podcast. As Chiefs fans, are we expecting too much to think that it would almost be a failure if this Chiefs generation doesn't win another Super Bowl? I mean, recently the Packers with Rogers, the Seahawks with Wilson and the Saints with Breeze all only won one championship, Dan Marino one of the best quarterbacks ever, never even won one. Uh, are we being overambitious to expect this team to win another championship when just winning one is so difficult? Uh, also, I just wanted to end by also saying that I love your work and I love that we live in a world where we are talking about the Chiefs winning multiple Super Bowls. Cheers. Look, I don't have a lot of rules in life, but one of them is if you call this podcast from Australia, you get on the show. You know, that being said, Branson, I I hear where you're coming from. You don't want to diminish the accomplishment of winning a Super Bowl, right? And you you are right. In, in some ways, it's freaking wild that a fan base that's waited 50 years, you know, an entire lifetime for most fans, you know, is now counting future trophies, right? But honestly, I think they're justified in doing it. You know, forget fans for a moment. 
there's not a single major force in that franchise. And I'm talking about everybody from Clark Hunt to Andy Reid to Brett Veach to Mike Borgonzi to Patrick Mahomes, Mitch Schwartz, Tyron Matthew, anybody else. None of them would look back on Mahomes winning just one Super Bowl as like this unmitigated, clear success. You bring up some good good examples, but you know, to me, it proves the point. Like the the Packers failed Aaron Rodgers. You know, they, they've had one of the three best quarterbacks, if not the best, in terms of individual gifts for twelve years, and they've only been to one Super Bowl. Like I, I just I don't think anyone there considers that a clear success. You know, my my whole perspective on this, by the way, it would be vastly different if the Chiefs had you know a merely good quarterback, right, or, or even a great one. But I don't think that it's hyperbole to say they have a transcendent quarterback, you know, a a guy that can do things that nobody else can uh, with no apparent. And this is really important uh, to stress. It's not just the physical. It's not just the left handed pass and all that stuff. But he has no apparent flaws in terms of work ethic, commitment, selfishness, leadership, ego, you know, any of those things that can sidetrack championships. Maybe those will develop over time. We'll see. Um, But right now. There's nothing there, you know, it, that, that you would see that would impede the Chiefs from from having more success. And you might be sick of me referring to him like as a force multiplier, but that's exactly what he is. And in modern football, the only person I can think of who comes close as far as, you know, setting standards, forcing everyone else to be better and more committed, it's Bill Belichick. Maybe you think that's too much. Maybe you think I'm over the top on this or too extreme, but... Look, I, I hope you've seen that I will criticize the Chiefs and Royals and anyone else when I think they deserve it. So, you know, this is coming from an honest place. And, you know, look, the, the Super Bowl win should be celebrated. I'll put it, it'll put some people in the ring of honor. Um, it'll put some people in the Hall of Fame. Uh, number one, Andy Reid, and deservedly so. But there's no way that you can tell me that if Mahomes plays another 10 years or whatever with the Chiefs and they don't win another championship, there's no way that he or anyone else won't look back on this with some regret, you know? And that's part of the motivation now, right? And and that can be productive. So anyway, okay, thanks again for the great questions this week. I'm really kind of feeling some momentum on this with, with you guys um, calling in and taking your time to call in with some questions, which is really cool. So, okay, uh, we'll be back with Norm Stewart after a quick break. Kansas and Missouri agreed to restart the border war, the first person I thought of was Norm Stewart. He's a college basketball Hall of Famer and such an iconic presence, not just in the history of Mizzou sports, but the history of college sports. He's a legend from his success as a baseball and basketball player at Mizzou to one of the all-time coaching careers with 731 wins. He was nice enough to give me some time this week and answer everything from what that rivalry means to him, whether he really never spent any money in Kansas, and what he thinks of college basketball today. Uh, the conversation's been edited for brevity and clarity, and I hope you enjoyed it half as much as I did. First, how are you doing through all this? Oh, well, we're doing good. Uh, we're like a lot of people, you know. We're uh, This is the uh, sixth or seventh week, mm-hmm. but uh, quite honestly, I've, uh, it's a little bit awkward i i'm in a very i'm at a high risk because you know i'm in the age the upper age group mm-hmm. but uh 
we have minimized our risk factor by contact. Okay. And so, uh, and we're in, the weather's been tremendous, and and we have we've been here. I'm in California, and we've been mm-hmm. here a long time, and have a lot of friends, and so we uh, have a lot of help, and uh, so we're we're uh, really kind of blessed to be where we are and, and how we're doing. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, did anybody in your family or you have any close friends have been affected? No, we haven't. Uh, yeah, we good. haven't had uh, anyone, and that's, uh, of course, that's your immediate thought. And uh, yeah, but we haven't. Good. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, look, uh, I, I was thinking about you more than more than usual the last couple of weeks after you know these announcements with the you know the border war getting started again, and yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, uh, that's, I, that's good. I'm glad you're doing that. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, like there's probably not anybody who's more associated with Mizzou athletics than you, and and uh, can't be many, if any, that are more associated with that series than you. It's just what what was your what was your reaction? What did you think when you heard this was was getting back on? Well, I felt that it was inevitable that they really, you know, that it was going to be done. So I was just I'm just pleased that the, they figured out how to do it and uh, uh i i think it's i think it's very good did um do you think anything was lost or gained in the break like i guess what i'm wondering is like do you do you have an opinion about whether when when the games happen again do you think they'll be more intense than they would otherwise because there's been a break or do you think something's been lost during the break what, what do you think well, I think that when uh, when they made when they made the change, then you lose. I think you lose that history. There's a break in that history, mm-hmm. and you probably have lost some of the uh, some of the edge. But that was. It was it was tremendous, you know, excitement about it, and uh, of course, it, it was a full house, and and it, it always will be. Uh, so I, I think I think that they've lost a little edge, but it, it will it will be there because it's such a uh, such a common rivalry. Yeah. What's your favorite memory from those games? Oh my God! I got so many. Uh, uh, first thing, uh, I go back, you know, a long way. You ask me a question, and I, I'll have to give you a paragraph. But, that, that's why I called. Yeah. Uh, well, when I in 1952, Kansas won the national tournament mm-hmm. in basketball. And there's so many things. I was recruited by Dr. Allen at KU mm-hmm. and maintained a friendship. And right now there's so many memories that come back uh, from that, from that time. And, of course, then I competed. I played against them in basketball and in baseball. And uh, 
then as a coach. Uh, so they're just they're just a tremendous amount of memories. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and and all ninety eight, ninety nine percent of them very good. There's some bumps in the road, kind of like life is, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. How true are the stories about you never spending any money in Kansas? <laughs> well, uh, if you had a player and and he needed a pair of shoes and he only had two pair and he blew out a pair, well, uh, you know, he didn't have he didn't have a pair of shoes. Uh-huh. So I wanted to have a situation where I could go to the local guy and say, hey. I need a pair of shoes. Now, the local guy basically would do that for you. On the other hand, you know, if you buy the shoes from him, he's he's going to make sure that you've always got shoes. But anyways, <laughs> I was talking to the lieutenant governor, and I said, you know, our bid went out for shoes, and somebody out of state got the bid. So I said, you know, by the time I get my shoes you know, and, and if I don't get the right sizes, then I'm I'm hung up. He says, "Well, that's ridiculous. How how far? How big was the bid? You know, here I'm I'm giving you a lot too much detail. But, no, I love it. But this is what happened. And he I said, you know, if a bid's close, it should always go to the person. You should take everything into consideration. And if a bid's close, give it to the local guy." You know, mm-hmm. and so anyway, uh, we were over, at, we were playing, and I made the decision to go to Kansas City and stay all night because of a friend uh, in the hotel business in Kansas City and, and uh, in the Mule Box, and mm-hmm. he had been he had been a general manager uh, at the Boone. Uh, hotel in Columbia. Mm-hmm. So I went in and decided, well, I'll give him some business and, and stay. And I like the mule box. That's where we stayed during the Christmas tournament. So anyway, long story short, I go in there, stay all night, then drive over to Lawrence, have a brief uh, workout, and then we play the game. And I think we may have won. Uh, probably did. And so they asked me after the game, somebody found out that I stayed in Kansas City. And so all of that came to my mind when they asked me, said, why did you stay in Kansas City? Well, I thought of the, uh, see, this is how my mind was working. <laughs> I put it together that uh, about the bids for shoes and and staying and spending money in Missouri rather than taking it out of state. And I said, well, I would. I don't spend any money in Kansas. And <laughs> boom, that was it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that was, I spend money in Kansas. My wife was, lived in Kansas. You know, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I was recruited by Kansas. But anyway, it turned out to be a great line, and I used it. To its fullest extent. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's good for the story, right? Yeah. 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 Nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong with embellishing the story. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, you must, I assume, watch a lot of college basketball. Um, 
Jim, I'm just fascinated by what you think of the sport now. Is it, is it, is it, do you like it more than, than when you were coaching less? What, what's your opinion? Well, the changes, uh, the changes are hard to take. Uh, Which changes specifically? Now what I would like to see, the Rules Committee, the Rules Committee is charged with keeping a balance of the offense and the defense. And when scoring goes down, for some reason, they get alarmed. Uh, they shouldn't. Uh, my teams were not known as fast-break teams. Uh, my I, I don't know how my teams were known as. I hope they were known as winners. Yeah. But uh, but we scored over 70 points a game, and we just tried to take advantage. If, if you didn't get back on defense, we tried to get easy ones. If you uh, if you were a good defense, and we we passed the ball around till we got it to our better shooters. But so anyway. What they've done now, they're worried about scoring going down, and so they've got the three-point shot, and everybody's shooting them. Some guys shooting them shouldn't be allowed in the gym, and that's that's a big problem. That's a coach's problem, but they they're they're worried about the scoring going down. If they would simply call the fouls that are being made, call the travel, call carrying the ball, they'd have a better game and people would watch it more. Hmm. Yeah. I, I really believe that. If you call, the first thing that happens, if you call fouls, players are not dumb. I've, I've never seen a player, you call a foul on a player, he may not like it, but he'll stop fouling because <laughs> no. he wants he wants to play, and you can't play him after you foul five times. Sure. No. So I he, wish I wish they'd make that change. I wish they would start calling the fouls because they'll find out they eliminate the foul. Yeah. Yeah. Is that um. You know, there's complaints about officials. You know, that's been going on for for forever. Um, is is what you're saying though? It's not what I hear you saying is not a criticism of the quality of the fishing. It's a it's a criticism of the of what the officials are being told to call it. Am I am I right about that? But the the officials the officials do a good job, and there's three of them now. Mm-hmm. And all you have, all you have to do, but what they're doing, they put such pressure on them. Of no call, and does it apply? And, and really, all it is officiating is if one person, you can take that whistle, and you can carry it with you. You don't have to have it in your mouth. <laughs> if a guy gets an advantage, you blow the whistle. If he doesn't get an advantage, you don't blow the whistle. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, that's the first thing. The next thing, you got them. There's three of them. You put them in. You get in position to uh, make a call. And if you and after that, uh, it's a matter of uh, advantage disadvantage. 
and uh, if you got the, if you're in position, you, you, it, it's not that hard to call. But they're they put it on the player or on the officials now. I don't see how they. I don't see how they make a call. Yeah. yeah. Some things are. Some things are there. They let them go. I, you, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, if they just go back and just call the travel, call the violation, call the fouls, you'd have a cleaner game. You'd have a faster game, and uh, uh, people people go. People love basketball. Well, for whatever it's worth, when I think of your team, I just think of just being tough as all hell. That's the number one thing I think about. If I had tough players. They, yeah. They yeah. were good. Then, you know what? I watch them today, and it's uh, pretty easy. Most of them are successful, and some of them extremely successful uh, because they talent, but uh, their backgrounds and uh, their their uh, habits just uh, people of good backgrounds and good habits and they've increased their abilities and uh, I'm, I'm proud of them boy mm-hmm. and there's so many of them and they've, they just have done well and they and they help one another that's mm-hmm. what I like yeah 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 okay uh, well look Norm I, I appreciate your time okay uh, it's, been, it's been nice talking with you Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks again to Norm Stewart and everyone who submitted questions. One more time, if you have something you want talked about next week, call 816-234-4365. 816-234-4365. Leave your first name, where you're calling from, and almost literally any question. Special thanks, as always, to Savannah Smith, who did 98.7% of the work this week, and to you for listening. I hope it's worth your time, and we'll try again next week.